The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely Hello to the world of dance. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for and coming to chat. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry, Barry Corrales. You are listening to Pod to Chat, talking dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 19 plus years of experience with you. Whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, bonjour, <laughs> uh, hola. Shalom. Uh, hello. How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. Um, if you are a regular listener, you may have noticed that I did not podcast two weeks ago. Um, I apologize for that. Life gets crazy sometimes, and you just need to take uh, you need to like assess what's important and what's not. And um, obviously, this is important, but there was something much more important happening in my life. At that time, um, we were taking care of my my husband's grandmother, um, and I'm not going to go much more into detail with that, but um, it was uh, a very intense uh, period of time during that, so I made the choice to focus on uh, something that was happening in my life um, versus this. Not that this isn't important to me, you guys know that. I've been doing this for like five years, Um, but it it was like a, a life or death thing, so... Um, I had to make a decision and the decision was to, uh, not podcast. So I hope that you can forgive me. Um, but here I am this week podcasting for you. What other announcements do I have? Um, so I officially announced that Movement Headquarters is doing an open class program in New York City. Um, we have classes on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays right now, um, in a range of classes from basic to beginner to intermediate advanced pro, uh, ballet classes, as well as currently one option for an intermediate advanced pro contemporary class. Um, not only am I teaching in this program, uh, one of our company artists, Camila Rodriguez, she's a Brazilian born dancer is teaching classes as well as, uh, the director of pigeon wing dance, um, Gabrielle <laughs> Lamb. Um, Gabrielle and I, we met a handful of years ago at the National Choreographers Initiative in uh, Irvine, California, and she has been doing very well for herself as a choreographer. She's won a Princess Grace Award, and I'm very happy to have her on board. Um, I've been holding off on announcing this because uh, I was going to like go ahead and do a full-fledged program, um, but we just found out that the facility that we are renting at um, in Times Square is going to be overrun by Broadway shows, and we are not going to be able to use their space much longer. So I'm looking for a new space, um, but for the time being, if you are interested in taking class with us here in New York, um, we have a capacity of 10 dances per class. We are wearing masks still. Um, and, uh, you can reach out to me at bcorollis at yahoo.com. 
um, for information regarding classes. So that's exciting. Um, what else? Uh, oh, even more exciting movement headquarters. We are having our first in-person live performances since our debut. Actually, that's not true. We had our love letter shows last August. So we had our debut in February. Um, and then we had our love letter outdoor installation performances in August, uh, of last year. Um, well, we're about to do our first live performances since August uh, called Solostis, and it is uh, inspired by the summer solstice and the change of season from spring into summer and what that entails, and it's it, it will evoke what the best day of summer feels like. Uh, we are holding these performances on June 26th. That's a Saturday and June 27th. Uh, we have three shows. Um, and then with our Saturday show, uh, getting a ticket to that show is also means that you will be getting a ticket to a gala fundraising event that we will be holding afterwards. Obviously, there are restrictions to what we can do because of social distancing guidelines, but um, we are planning on having live entertainment, some drinks, and some tasty treats for all of those that attend our Saturday performance. So if you'd like more information about that, uh, you can reach out to me on our social media at movement underscore headquarters on Instagram um, at B Corollis, B-K-E-R-O-L-L-I-S. That's my Instagram. Um, and then we'll have information up on our website soon. I'm working on the marketing materials now. So you get a little insider behind the scenes uh, information. Lastly, I uh, just started working on uh, f- our final two scenes in our choreography workshop for Land of the Suites for Movement Headquarters. Um, I can't believe that we're almost done with the choreography aspect of this project. We will be premiering uh, an immersive Nutcracker experience at, in December where the audience gets to see the world through Clara's eyes. Um, this has been very exciting. Uh, we have eight sections choreographed. We're working on flowers and the sugar plum now. Um, and then after that, we're going to be working on finding a venue and adding immersive elements into it and then getting the dancers prepared for the shows. It's very, very exciting. Um, if you want to follow us or what we've been doing on that, we have been putting out regular insider content on Patreon. You can go to www.patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash movement HQ. Uh, we've been putting out the music that we've commissioned, choreography excerpts, and then also behind the scenes footage, uh, three drops every month plus additional content. So yeah, that's exciting. Um, what else do I have in big news? Um, <laughs> I guess I have to share this. So um, I am going to take a two month break from podcasting. Um, and I'm, the reason that I'm doing that, it's not, I'm not like burnt out. I, I took a break, what, like the summer 2017 before I moved to, uh, from Philadelphia to New York. Um, I was burnt out then and I was honestly like questioning whether I was going to continue this and that, not this as in a uh, pot of chat, but like just different aspects of my work. And, um, this isn't the same. Uh, I am overwhelmed with getting all of these programs together. Um, so that's, that's a part of it. But I, if you've been listening to the episodes for the past several months, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but my voice has changed. Um, and I've been kind of ignoring it like, oh, okay, my voice just gets tired because I, I teach so much and I choreograph and I do these podcasts. Um, do private lessons. I, I, I just, I'm talking all the time. Um, and I am starting to notice that there's something wrong with my voice. Um, this is not like 
an every like week thing, like uh, once a week or like a, a three days out of every month type thing. This is becoming an every single day type thing where by the end of the day, I have no voice left. Um, so I'm always telling people on on here that you need to like, sometimes you need to push and then there are times where you need to take care of yourself. I need to take care of my voice um, and I need to open up a little bit more space in my schedule as I prepare for these live performances. So um, I'm going to take a two month break from podcasting after this episode. I'm afraid that I have vocal cord damage. I'm seeing the doctor on Monday and I, I just want to give my my voice a break from doing things like this. So um, I don't think it will be radio silence for the next two months with this podcast. I'm actually starting to talk to a few other artists who could take over. Um, if you remember back uh, in, was it like July of last year, um, Kiara Felder, she did a, an episode for me and I, I've reached out to her. I want her to do another episode because I think she has a lot of wonderful things to share and she holds a very unique space in the dance community as well as a, a black queer uh, ballet dancer. Um, so I, I'm, I'm talking with her about possibly getting her to do an episode during these two months. I'm, I'm looking at one or two other people so that it's not just two months without any episodes. Um, so fear not, I'm not going away. I just need to take care of myself because I have no idea what's happening with my voice. I'm sure you can hear it now. Um, people tell me like they think that I mostly sound okay, but I can, I feel like my voice is scratchy right now and I can hear it like cracking when I talk sometimes. So that is that. All right, moving on. So I was thinking of podcast episodes that I could do before I have this uh, this break of mine. Um, and I was thinking, what do I want to talk about? And I was thinking, I've never really talked about why I talk dance. You like how what I did there? I was like, it's pod to chat talking dance. What do I do? I talk dance. So why why do I talk dance? Um, I talk dance a lot. Like I my my entire life is talking dance. I talk technique, I talk choreography, I talk like arts management and uh, what else like promotion of arts and teaching people about the arts, not just like dance, but like arts engagement. I talk about like what happens in professional careers and how you can build your own career, um, and everything in between. So I thought that it would be uh, a fun thing for me to talk about why I talk dance today. Um, so I was talking to my counselor yesterday, trying to figure out what parts of my personality cause anxiety. I've mentioned in the past that I, I I got back into counseling, um, mostly because, well, not mostly, it was, it was mostly because of the anxiety, but also because I needed to, uh, I need to have an outlet to discuss the anniversary of uh, what happened in our neighborhood here during the COVID, uh, the beginning of the COVID outbreak in the United States. Um, so yeah, we, we've been talking a lot about anxiety and um, the roots of my anxiety and trying to figure out like if it's if something happened or if it's my personality. Um, and while we've determined that certain circumstances were likely like catalysts for me to have hyper awareness and hypertension. Um, it seems that in reality, I had a neurotic, perhaps obsessive uh, personality regarding specific things when I was a small kid. Um, and it, it was, it's funny because I would become fixated 
on things um, that either stressed me out or that I was passionate about. So it's kind of funny because it's like anxiety can have different aspects to it. Like there's positive anxiety and there's negative anxiety. And it's the same thing for for that. Like I was anxious because I was hyper aware and hyper attentive, but also like that hyper awareness and hyper attentiveness, um, it... I would become that way because I was really passionate about something, but also if something really stressed me out. So um, I, I I was thinking like, when was the first time that I can really think where I started to become like hyper stressy about things? Um, and I remember, <laughs> people are going to hate me for this, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. I remember, I, I don't remember, it, okay, I remember I was a young kid, but I don't remember my age. I was like four or five or six and um, I was raised Jewish. I, I'm Jewish now, but I'm culturally Jewish. I'm not religiously Jewish. I, I am not a religious person. I uh, I don't really consider myself spiritual. If I am anything, I am an exorcist. And that doesn't mean that I take spirits out of bodies. It means that exercise is my religion. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was like raised Jewish. I was four, five, or six. I know that it was one of those three ages. And I remember I was going to Sunday school. So synagogue is different than church. If you don't follow that, um, you have service uh, at the beginning of Shabbat on Friday evening as the sun sets. Um, And then if you're like Orthodox, which I I wasn't raised Orthodox, you would uh, rest and you don't do any work. You don't do anything. You're not supposed to do anything with electronics. Like there, there are certain rules that you're supposed to follow and you're just supposed to like focus on relaxing and thinking about like the Lord and, um, other things like that. Um, but anyway, so you would have service on Friday and then you might also have a service on Saturday, sorry, Saturday morning. Um, and then when the sun sets on Saturday, then everybody goes back about their business. Um, but Sunday was usually the day that you would go to Sunday school, not to church, but like, sorry, like people go to church on Sundays, uh, Jews do it on the early weekend, Christians and do it in the late weekend. Muslims, I think it's a Friday thing, um, like Shabbat, but don't hold me to that. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so I was in religious school, Sunday school. It took me a long time just to get to the point of the story. And I remember distinctly this teacher who I will say, like, looking back, like, I don't think that this person was a good teacher because something else happened later. I'll tell that in a second. But this teacher said, if you have a bad thought in your head, you need to apologize to God. And I remember being like, well, why would I have to do that? And then he elaborated and he was saying that it was like a responsibility. So I started to get concerned that if I didn't apologize to God anytime that I had a bad thought, maybe I said a word in my head that I wasn't supposed to say. Um, Maybe I was supposed to clean the litter box for the cats and I didn't do it. Um, I be I, I I thought that I was supposed to apologize to God. So in my brain I would go, sorry God, um, and then I would move on. Um and then I would try not to do that again. But I mean, we are human. We are always having thoughts that are good and bad and everything in between. And like what distinct what distinguishes like a good person versus a bad person is like whether you follow through with those thoughts or not. Um but yeah, so uh him telling me that I had to be like really aware of everything that I was thinking, even if I was like, not even just saying, like I thought it was just saying, but anything I was thinking, um, now I was like overly burdened by the fact that I had to apologize to what I thought was the Lord. 
every time that I had a slightly negative thought. Oh, I don't want to go to sleep. Well, mom says, you have to go to sleep. Don't be a bad boy. Oh, sorry, God. Like, I'm sorry, mom. Sorry, God. Sorry, the world. Like, great way to stress a kid out, right? Um, I'm not going to get into religion. I wanted to say something. I'm not going to go further. But so I, I get the, the, the reasoning behind it, but it just made me really neurotic. That's the first time that I can remember being like kind of like anxious, uh, aware, and uh, obsessive about something. But um, I think that that's like probably part of the reason that I, I do the things that I do today. Um, honestly, the reason I think I've produced over a hundred, 160 episodes of content here on Pot of Chat, um, written nearly 200 blog posts on life of freelance dancer and have, I don't know, I'm not, I haven't counted, um, but I probably have at least like two dozen articles out in major dance publications. Um, I think it's because I'm just really passionate and obsessed with my career. Um, I... Those things that I either was taught as a kid or that I naturally was as a kid, I think that, um, like I said, it could be a very negative thing where it creates stress and anxiety in my life in a negative way. But also at the same time, it's really benefited me because um, if I'm really passionate about something, I tend to become obsessed with it um, and it makes me want to dive into it and it makes me want to – it makes – me want to have it as a part of my everyday life and it makes me want to share it with other people because I want them to understand like how much joy this thing can bring into their lives so that's the end of the episode no I'm just kidding Uh, I pretty much answered the question there but I'm gonna go into more details and more depth um so yeah as as a kid I let's see what was I obsessed with as a kid I wanted to be able to do something amazing um I remember I wanted to be Superman because I thought that it would be so cool to be one of the few people on earth that could like walk through walls or like destroy things with my, uh, I guess that was like the invisible guy on X-Men. Yeah, that guy or like Superman who could like use his vision to like see through things or I don't know, use like laser beams out of his eyes to destroy things. I just wanted to be amazing at something. I uh, remember seeing like children musicians on TV um, and seeing just like, I don't know, like love and uh, adoration being thrown upon these kids. And I wanted to be that. I wanted to be a prodigy and I wasn't. Um, (laughs) I, I think I actually like willed my way to where I wanted to be because I was like, I should be a prodigy. Why couldn't I? I have not been born a prodigy. Um, if I'm a prodigy at anything, I'm a prodigy at working hard. That's it. <laughs> but anyway, so I wanted to be able to do something amazing. Um, so once I found um, my love of dance, I started obsessing over it. And it's funny because when I look back, I didn't think I was obsessing. I was just interested. And all I wanted to do is just like immerse myself in dance. So I would watch dance VHS tapes over and over again. My my teacher, Miss Kim, she had all of these VHSs and I knew them inside out. Like if you know anything about a, a video cassette, um, when you would put it into a VCR, I'm aging myself, um, there's a counter and it starts at the beginning. And, um, if it was rewound to the, if it was rewound to the beginning, I knew exactly like what 
the number was that I had to get to to get to a certain step in a ballet. Like that's how obsessed I was. Um, I would also watch uh, my own performances constantly. And I mean, it was it was like, it wasn't like, oh, like once a week, I'd pull out a VHS of our recital that we had like that past like spring and it was fall. No, the second the tape would arrive, it would usually come during the summer. So I didn't have to like get up to go to school. I would watch the tapes over and over again from like the time my family went to bed, maybe like nine, 10 o'clock until like two or three o'clock in the morning. My mom would usually come down and be like, you're still awake. But what I would do, it wasn't like I was just like watching it. I would watch it. And then if there was a step that I thought needed to be improved or if there was something that I was really proud of, like reaching like a full split in a soda shot, like a jump into the air where your legs split, I would watch in slow motion and I would go forward and back and forward and back and forward and back. And I would analyze like how I could improve it. I was crazy. Um, (laughs) I don't even remember when I stopped doing that. I think I stopped doing that maybe in my 20 early 20s. So yeah, that was definitely a part of me as like a young child, um, all the way up to my early teens. Um, as a teen, when like a late teen, when I really started to understand that I want, was really going to work to try to make this a career, um, I started to obsess over dancers. Um, I would go and find their bios. I would find as many images on of them either. I, I mean, at first it was in like brochures um, or programs, and then it became um, online, like on websites. We didn't really have too much like streaming video back then. Um, it was, we were still dealing with VHS, but I would, or DVDs, but I would like go to Barnes and Noble and to their art section and get DVDs. And I would save my money to buy these DVDs and I would just watch their performances over and over again. Um, but yeah, beyond that, I just wanted to learn every facet of their career from, where they trained, to what summer programs they went to, to what their professional track was, to what ballets they performed. And I was like, if I want to, if I want to become a professional, I need to follow what they do. Like I need to, I need to follow their track. So I would like try to follow in their footsteps exactly how, how they did it, thinking that that was going to get me there. Um, so I definitely think that that like, has an aspect of why I put so much out there. I mean, I'm going to get into this a bit more. Um, but I think that there are so many people that don't know how to get to where I've gotten, um, or where other professional dancers have gotten or choreographers or teachers. Um, and there, there are a lot of people that they could potentially get here, but they don't, they don't, understand the process of getting here and they don't know that maybe like maybe they're just like blindly following like a a director at a local school that didn't have a professional career um and not that there's anything wrong with that but they they think that they are the ones that are going to guide them there but in reality they don't know how to do it because they haven't done it themselves so um the more people we have that are putting out like how they got to where they they did the more people who maybe would fall through the cracks along the way um maybe they they wouldn't fall through the cracks so that's probably a, a large region region reason why i uh i talk dance so much like i talk dance and my voice is suffering for it um i feel like my my teacher at the cure of he uh had this whooping cough and he would teach and if he got upset uh, if we weren't doing something right, he would start coughing and he'd go into a coughing fit. When it finally calmed down, he would go, you see, boys, 
you affect my health because you don't try. <laughs> I'm like, see, because I talk dance so much, I can't talk anymore. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think that that is part of the reason why I share so much about uh, all of the different aspects of a dance career that I understand and I'm a part of or have been a part of. Um, so that's part of it. But um, yeah, so that was like my obsessive, obsessive personality as a, a younger child and then an older teen. Um, and then as an adult dancer, I wanted to dance every ballet. I would watch the dancers who were getting promoted and I would try to figure out what they were doing that I could perhaps uh, use to influence my dancing. Um, beyond that, like most dancers don't want to be a union rep, like a union delegate in, in bigger companies because uh, the directors can look at you and be like, you're you're being annoying. I don't want to cast you in this. Like you're a problem. I don't want to keep you in my company. Um, but I wanted to be a union rep like immediately. Um, my first year in the core, I like we had to every year they would have a vote to be who was going to be union delegates to represent the dancers for the American Guild of Musical Artists. And those people were responsible for communicating workplace issues between the dancers and management and vice versa. Um, I, my first year in the core at Pacific Northwest Ballet, told people, I want you to nominate me. Um, there were years that like nobody would even want, like somebody would nominate somebody, they go, nope. <laughs> and somebody else would nominate them, they go, nope. And finally somebody would be like, fine, I'll do it. And it became like this position that people kind of did against their will. Um, but for me, like I very much wanted to be a union rep because I wanted to learn like how a ballet company worked behind the scenes. For me, it was like, on the job experience outside of the studio so that I could like understand the functioning of uh, a professional company. Um, beyond that, like I, some of my closest friends at Pacific Northwest Ballet were like members of the crew. Um, I was friends with costume designers and administrative uh, people. Uh, I also like, I was the first one to volunteer. Um, so when I was at Pacific Northwest Ballet, uh, YouTube really started to become a thing and the company had gone a grant to start uh, putting more content online. They hired, they were able to hire somebody to do that. Um, I was the first one to volunteer to do a, a dancer feature um, because I was like all about social media and there were a lot of dancers that were reluctant to like be seen because it was almost like they, they enjoyed the privacy of like getting their shit together in the studio and then presenting themselves all put together on stage. They were almost afraid to be seen as less than perfect, but I loved the idea of like connecting with other people. Um, so I was actually the first one to do an artist feature on YouTube for Pacific Northwest Ballet. I think it was like 2008. I left in 2011. Um, within a year after I left, they deleted my video. Um, there's still principal principals who did it after me up, but I got deleted cause I wasn't important enough, but that's not, that's not important for me. Like that was me wanting to continue to like be out there to learn. Like I wanted to not just like put my, my stuff out there. I also wanted to learn about how this stuff worked. So, um, and then after my career, like I traveled my, my performance career with PNB, I traveled for my job and I saw how other companies functioned. Um, at one point I vol I volunteered, uh, to do P PR public relations for Seattle dance project, which was a, a new company, uh, in Seattle run by one of my, my friends, um, Timothy Lynch and, uh, actually two of my friends, Timothy Lynch and Julie Tobiasen, former dancers of the Pacific Northwest Ballet. 
Um, so I would write press releases and go on to like the online calendars and put stuff up for uh, their the shows. Um, beyond that, I was a dancer liaison for Backstage Pass, which was a donor cultivation group, and we'd go to board meetings. Um, then even after I was uh, done with that, I would throw freelance events uh, or events for freelance da- dancers to uh, network. Um, if I was in a new school performing and I thought that their school was really good, I would like stay after I would watch teach their teachers teach their students because I wanted to understand like what it took to like turn out a quality student. Um, and then into my post-performance career, which includes everything that I do on here. Um, so yeah, I've always just been obsessed with like learning as many things about the field that I can. And I, I guess I share it just because I, I want to give people access to to this field and I want people to be a part of this field. Like there's constantly talk about how underfunded we are as a, as a, an art form. Like if you look at like the entertainment industry in Hollywood, like they have billions upon billions of dollars. Um because there's a profit involved, I think that that is a big thing to do with it. Um and because you it there's more access to it. Like for, for dance until the pandemic, for the most part, you couldn't really view very much dance unless you saw like in person at a theater, but uh, that's changing now. But like the Hollywood, you, they have a system set up really well. Like you have the excitement of like the premieres and then they're out for a limited period of time. And then there's a break and then they release it out to the general public and then you can purchase it to keep it, to watch it as many times as you want. Um, the dance world doesn't do that. Um, and I'm still kind of like adapting to my ideas of what that means. But, um, if we aren't going to offer that type of access to our art form, um, the best I can do is to offer ways for people to get interested, whether that means interested as a dancer, interested as, an advocate for dance, interested as an audience member, um, as an adult student, as a costume designer, as uh, an agent, anything in between. I think that that's the least that I could do to help keep the art from going. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much why I talk dance. Um, and I don't just like talk dance, like sugarcoating thing. I talk candidly. Um, so I guess why why do I share so candidly? I uh, who who knows where is this episode going? But yeah, why why do I share so candidly? I I think the reason I share my stories and experiences is just because I I truly love this field. Um but it's really difficult. It's a really difficult field to exist in. Uh it's impossibly challenging um to become a part of it. It is a field that doesn't always look at the mind, body and soul of its products. Uh like they don't really it, it, like we the dancers are the products and um we expect everything of the product the dancer um except we don't think about it. it's like okay you let, let, this is a good example it drives me nuts but this is what my husband does um i feel like we have a battle back and forth about keeping the shades open in our apartment because like it we have a beautiful view of the manhattan skyline which most people would die for um but we also have a lot of really nice artwork in our apartment so 
I pull the shades up so I can see the beautiful view because that's important to me. And then my husband pulls the shades down so that our artwork and our uh, furniture, uh, which is all mid-century modern, um, and all that stuff is well taken care of. So it's like, I, I get it. Like, I don't, I don't, I used to get annoyed by it, but I get it now. Like, he's trying to care for the things that we've worked really hard to cultivate and to enjoy. And the, the dance field doesn't really do that for dancers. Um, so I, I share these experiences um, because I hope that maybe one day it's like a way, maybe I, uh, I'm not, I don't want to think that highly of myself, but maybe I'm one tiny aspect that's like pulling the shade down to protect the furniture. Um, although dancers aren't furniture um, or they are the art. That's it to protect the artwork. Um, so that's another reason why sometimes I'm willing to put my, my own career at risk. Like I've done that a handful of times. Um, and it's hurt me in some ways and it's helped me in other ways. Um, but yeah, the big reason for, uh, me talking, I think is just that I, I exist in a silent art form where I, uh, I wasn't expected to talk. I wasn't even allowed to talk a lot of the time. Um, and it's interesting because, it's a silent art form on, on stage, but for the most part, it's a silent art form off stage too. Like a dancer takes class and, uh, they're given combinations, they're given feedback, there's music, um, and questions are not super common. Um, if too many questions are asked, it disrupts the flow of class, which is an issue. But also, um, if one dancer is constantly asking questions, you tell them, okay, let's talk after class. Um, but yeah, it's a silent art form on stage, but off stage too. In the studio, um, a lot of people won't question directors, um, which again, there's a time and a place. Um, but if there's something really going wrong, like I've seen some dancers that would rather just like wince in pain and deal with it or uh, go home and cry every day or like starve themselves than actually like speak up and, and see if there's a pathway to communication. Maybe that's it. I'm just trying to communicate so that others will communicate. I don't know. Maybe I'm figuring things out as I go along. But yeah, I've made some painful mistakes and I've talked about some tricky topics on here and I've gotten in trouble. I've gotten hired. I've gotten fired. I've gotten praise. I've gotten everything from talking dance um, in the capacity that I do. But as long as there's confusion, unclear pathways, poor practices, whether those poor practices are realized or not, a lack of information, a lack of resources, a lack of knowledge for audiences, a lack of reasoning for why people should be involved in this art form, whether it's from a participatory level or from a uh, an audience level. Um, I will continue to use my voice, even if that means that I will sound like a 70-year-old lifelong cigarette smoker at the age of 40. <laughs> Um, I mean, it is in my genetics. My grandmother sounded like Patty and Selma from The Simpsons, um, but she was a lifelong smoker. I think she started smoking at 14, but you know, different time, different day, different age. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I don't know. I just felt like I, I should share because I'm going to take a few, a few months away um, to focus on choreographing and pushing my company forward. And then also I'm going to Alaska for two weeks, the, sec the second and or the third and fourth week of uh, July to just truly get away. Um, I thought I would need a break, but um, I am happy to use my voice. 
Um, and I am grateful to have a platform to use my voice. And like I said, I'm not, um, I'm not burnt out, um, with this media, this social media type stuff. Um, I just, I need to find a little bit of space in my schedule right now. And I, I need to protect one of my assets, which is my voice. Um, so please, please wish me luck over, uh, the next couple of days as I, go to the doctor. I'm trying not to catastrophize, which means like think of the worst, think that the worst situation is going to happen. Uh, I'm afraid I'm going to go to the doctor and they're going to be like, you need to take three months off from talking and I'm going to have to go completely mute. Um, but yeah, um, hopefully I'm going to figure this out and get this voice back on track. And in the meantime, hopefully I'll get a one or two uh, takeover hosts for you so that you can get a different perspective. I definitely want to get like different perspectives, whether it's like female voices, queer voices, uh, BIPOC voices, international voices. Um, so just stay tuned and I'll be posting about all that on my social media if, uh, if, and when that comes to fruition. So, um, just a reminder one more time, if you are in the New York area, I now have an open class program. You can email me at B Corollis, K E R O L L I S at yahoo.com for information about that. Also, if you want to see our shows, we're going to have very limited audiences of about 40 people per show. We'll have three shows on June 26th and June 27th. That'll happen at ballet arts and city center iconic studios where Balanchine created many of his most famous works. I'm so excited to present solo sis, which will be, uh, a handful of solos that will evoke the best day of summer, which I feel like every day of summer, not every day, but so many days of summer are the best days. All right. With that, I will leave you. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you in about two months at the beginning of August. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod to Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also check out my company, Movement Headquarters, at www.movementhqballet.org. You can also reach out on my websites if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollis. My company is on Instagram at movement underscore headquarters or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to check out my blogs. I wrote on Life of a Freelance Dancer for five years about working as a nationally touring freelance artist and independent contractor. I also wrote on Dancing Off Stage about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. I also have two YouTube channels. You can check out my personal YouTube, Dee Corollis, or my company YouTube, Movement Headquarters. If you want to join us for some insider content on Land of the Sweets for our Patreon, visit www.patreon.com forward slash Movement HQ. Wow, that was a lot of plugs for all of you, but it's going to be about two months before I get to talk to you again. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chat. I hope you return in a few weeks from this Saturday to talk dance with me and remember to go out and support your local dance scene.